This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 11th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The slow denationalization of GM hasn't quite made taxpayers whole and probably won't for some time. And it's screwed up all sorts of incentives. And it raises questions about how Toyota has been treated the last couple of years. Far from a success, the Cato Institute's Dan Eikenson says it's time for the government to get out of the auto business. GM has had several profitable quarters in a row. Yes. And some people are saying, look, once again, isn't it time to go ahead and call this one a success, good job uh, to Presidents Bush and Obama? Yeah. Bailout enthusiasts and government interventionists uh, want to use GM's profitability as the metric by which to gauge the the efficacy of the of the bailout, uh, and they say, "Isn't it time we called this a success? We the Obama administration bailed out the U.S. auto industry. Well, they bailed out GM, and GM did have a very profitable quarter. Uh, it's had five profitable quarters in a row. This quarter it was 3.2 billion dollars, um, but." A lot of that profit was from a one-time sale of shares in Ally Financial, its financial arm, and a one-time sale of Delphi, its parts division. I think 1.8 of that 3.2 billion was from from that sale. But that, that's not the real metric here. Uh, we're not. It's easy for a, for a company, even one with a historical a bad historical track record like GM in terms of performance. Uh, to do well when the government comes in with cash infusions and and all sorts of supports and and rebate programs uh, and and extinguishes debt. So that's not the right metric. Uh, We need to look at the overall costs. And there were lots of costs to the industry. And the, you know, competition is an evolutionary process. And that process was was interrupted here. The, the, The market share, the sales, the best engineers at GM, the best line workers at GM, should have gone to Ford or to Honda or to the other U.S. producers as they expanded production to pick up GM's shares, uh, market share as, as GM sort of atrophied. I'm, I'm not willing to concede that GM would have gone under had it gone through a normal bankruptcy process. There were hundreds of thousands of job losses in the industry anyway. Uh, but it's, and it's not just the interplay within the industry. It's the, the effect on the national economy, the fact that GM was bailed out, Chrysler was bailed out, the banks were bailed out. Those events, I think, were the impetus for this regime uncertainty that sort of took hold. And I think it has is, it is deterred investment. Uh, people were not sure, business people were not sure what the government's next move was going to be. And we shouldn't write that off. That is a cost. I don't know how much of a cost related directly to the GM bailout, but it was a cost of the, of the bailout. So let's not uh, be celebrating and looking for high fives. If, if the taxpayer is going to go and bail out a company and ensure that it succeeds, it's going to succeed. No, nobody said it couldn't. In particular, when you talk about regime uncertainty, uh, it's worth remembering again that there were bondholders who had their contracts altered, legally enforceable contracts altered, and that there were uh, competitive implications, once again, to, uh, you know, if, if you are investing in a company, you, you know, what are the odds that a weak competitor might be deemed uh, systemically important to the U.S. economy? That, that's, that's right. Uh, a lot of uncertainty was injected into this market. Um, 
issues pertaining to the rule of law. I mean, bond rates are, are set based on what's happened in the past, what, is ex what the expectations are going forward. Uh, and those expectations were upset severely, I think, when the, when the government in intervened in the bankruptcy process and, and forced bondholders to take, take pennies on their dollars. The, the TARP was used illegally. Funds from the TARP were supposed to be used for financial uh, uh, companies, financial organizations, but they were used to, to help uh, with, with bridge loans and then subsidies for the, the auto producers. That started with, with President Bush, by the way, so this, uh, it, uh, it, it's not just uh, the Obama administration that uh, is to blame for that. Um, but GM is, uh, I, I, right now the government, st the taxpayer still has, uh, owns 500 million shares of GM. There was an initial public offering back in November, and of the $50 billion that taxpayers uh, used to, to nationalize GP, uh, GM, uh, $23 billion came back into the Treasury. So there's still $27 billion that taxpayers are on the hook for. In order to get all of that back, the, those 500 million shares need to be sold at an average price of about $53. Well, the IPO price was $33, and today, six months after the IPO, the price is about $31. So something is weighing down on the, on the stock value. Uh, one of the factors, I think, must be the fact that everybody knows that the government is, needs to get rid of 500 million shares, and that's going to have a depressing uh, impact on, on GM. The other thing is the real ec economic fundamentals. Despite all the hoopla about the, the, the Chevy Volt and the Chevy Cruze, uh, GM really doesn't perform well in the small car market, and that's where it's going to have to perform well if gas prices stay where they are or get higher, and certainly in preparation for the uh, new uh, fuel efficiency standards, 35.5 miles per gallon fleet standards, which is going to have to be your average fleet efficiency. So in order to do it, they need to perform well in, in this segment. The Chevy Volt is you know, $43,000. There have been 1,700 sold in the year 2011. 1700 This is not an economy car. I mean, this is a car that, that people buy as a hobby. Uh, so I don't think that the Chevy Volt is going to get GM, uh, is going to uh, bring recurring profitability to GM. Interestingly, and this is one of the reasons I think the government needs to divest as soon as possible, irrespective of the stock value, is that GE has agreed to buy, uh, I think, 50,000 volts basically a whole year's worth of production of volts. Well, you know, GE's Jeff Imelt is uh, the president's advisor on economic and manufacturing matters, uh, and this is kind of unseemly. It doesn't look particularly good when uh, Jeff Imelt is agreeing to buy, the, you know, the, buy autos from, from the president's auto company. Any decision related to the auto industry has political implications, and for that reason, the administration should get out as, as soon as it can. In order for taxpayers to be made whole, again, if that's the only metric you're wanting to look at, uh, President Obama needs to hang on to these shares until something good happens, I guess, in, in that in that share price. But uh, you argue there's another reason for him want to want to get rid of these shares as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah, I think that there's a there's an odor associated with GM's nationalization, and uh, the president wants to put as much space between that incident and his, his re-election campaign, which is going to heat up in earnest in a, in a few months. The problem is if he sells all the stock now, 
and di- tries to divest of those 500 million shares now, uh, taxpayers are going to be short 10, 15, maybe more, maybe 20 uh, billion dollars because selling 500 million shares is going to drive down the value of the stock. Um, so, if he, but if he wants to hold on to it and see whether or not the the, the, the price goes up, then you, you you perpetuate this sort of conflict of interest, and you remind uh, American voters that the, that that GM was at one point nationalized. So, it was intensely controversial to nationalize GM. I think it is going to be even more so to reprivatize it. Dan Eikenson is Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Center for Trade Policy Studies. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.